Well, uh, happy Easter. Uh, I want to start this morning just by sharing about an experience that I had uh, about 10 years ago. My wife and I, we made the unfortunate decision to try and travel with our firstborn child who was about uh, eight months old at the time. And for any parents out there, you know that when you choose to travel with a small child, you know that uh, it's really a mixed bag. Like you are either gonna come out a big time winner or a big time loser. And for my wife and for me, we came out big time losers because we got on this flight and uh, my eight month old son Noah was just not having it. He was extremely restless, extremely vocal, and uh, he could just not get situated on the flight. The entire flight to Birmingham was just a big circus for my wife and for me. And uh, our son Noah, he was getting frantic and so we began to get frantic uh, and Kat and I even got a little bit frantic with each other. And I guess that became visible to the people around us because a note got passed through the seats to me. And I took out this note and I opened it up and there was a picture on this note from the person sitting behind me. And it was a picture of a triangle and at the top of the triangle uh, was the word God. And then at the bottom two corners was, uh, was husband and wife. And there was a note that said, the closer you get to God, the closer you will get to each other. Now, what do you do with a note like that when you're a pastor? Uh, so here's what I did. I just took it and I wrote, no duh, signed Pastor Timothy Atik, and I passed it back. No, I'm just kidding. But I thought about that experience, and here's the realization, okay? In that moment, that guy could not see God at work in my life. At least in that moment, I was being a hypocrite. I had the information here, but no application here that was leading to a transformed life. He could not look into my life in that moment and see that I was in fact living as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we all have those moments as followers of Jesus. We all have moments where the information is lacking application. We all struggle with hypocrisy. Like if you're watching this right now and you're not a Christian, let me just tell you, we as Christians, we struggle with hypocrisy. There are times when what we believe and what, how we live actually don't match. And as I think about this struggle that we have sometimes to live out what we actually believe, here's the analogy if if church is kind of the classroom and the rest of the week is the laboratory, sometimes we struggle in the lab. Sometimes we, we go to church or we get online now and we watch church and we, we learn a lot in the classroom, but then we have a hard time living out what we've learned in the lab. And I think that I've actually pinpointed why sometimes we as Christians struggle in the lab of life. And I believe that the reason that hypocrisy sometimes happens as followers of Jesus Christ is simply this, because we have grown numb and calloused to the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Today, Easter Sunday, is all about celebrating the empty tomb. But hypocrisy actually happens in our lives. We struggle in the laboratory of life when there is a lack of appreciation for the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I just wanna remind you that victory is here. Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb. He is alive, ruling and reigning today, wanting to have everything to do with our lives. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't a by the way aspect of the gospel. Sometimes it's kind of like all throughout the year, we're like, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. And then we get to Easter. It's like, oh yeah, and the tomb is empty. No, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the truth that transforms the way that we live. And so because victory is here, what I want to do this morning is I just want to remind you of three beautiful realities of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, here's what you need to know. We have freedom from our past, we have power in the present, and we have hope for the future. The first reality, because victory is here, the first reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that we have freedom from our past. Do you sense that right now, that you actually have freedom from your past? Several years ago, some of our closest friends, Sterling and Natalie, bought an older home in Dallas. And there was this one small room at the back of their house that had its own air conditioning unit. And this air conditioning uh, unit was too big for this one small room. And so I don't know all the ins and outs of HVAC, but it was basically short cycling. It was overproducing. And so what was happening is, moisture was uh, not evaporating from the coils and so mold began to grow inside of the unit. Well, what you need to know is that our friend Natalie has a condition where her body struggles to eliminate toxins. And so just think about what was happening without them realizing that this, this air conditioning system in their house was, was quietly operating in the background of their lives poisoning Natalie's body, blowing toxic air through their home without her even realizing it. And the reason that I tell you that is a lot of times guilt, shame, and regret are like that, are, are, do the same thing in our lives. Sometimes our past failures are just like that busted air conditioning system and our past failures can blow toxic air through our lives in the form of guilt, shame, and Regret, I wonder if you experience any of that right now. Like, I wonder if there's anything in your past that actually impacts how you live now. I wonder if you look back on certain times and certain behaviors and certain decisions and you feel deep amounts of guilt, shame, and regret. Here's the reality. We all have things that we can look back on and categorize as, what was I thinking? But as followers of Jesus Christ, the resurrection gives us freedom from our past. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says the resurrection does for us. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, here's what he says. He says, he, that's Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. 
It's a beautiful verse explaining everything that we've been celebrating from Good Friday to today. It says, he was delivered over to death for our sins. That's talking about the cross. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he was delivered over to the cross for your sins and for mine. He was punished for you and for me. And here's what he was punished for. He was punished for all of our sins. Say that word with me right now. Just say all. He was punished for all of our sins. He wasn't just punished for some of your sins. Either he was punished for all of your sins or none of your sins. You're either going to let Jesus Christ take the punishment that you deserve for all of your sins or none of your sins. Jesus Christ went to the cross to deal with the entire record of your sins. But then what does Paul say? He says that he was raised to life for our justification. That word justification, it's a legal term. It means to be declared right standing or not guilty. So here's how I want you to think about the cross and the resurrection. The cross was Jesus's payment for our sin. The resurrection was the Father's acceptance of Jesus' payment. Jesus went to the cross and said, I am here to pay for the entire record of your sins. But what do we do? We say, yeah, but I know that you paid for the entire record, but what about my record? What about that one sin? What about this one thing that I did? I don't know if I can ever forgive myself. And Jesus is like, I already dealt with that sin. I already dealt with your entire record. And you know what? The Father accepted my payment. The resurrection was a declaration from heaven. Jesus Christ has conquered our sin. He has conquered our sin. Victory is here. Do you know what that means? It means that we are not defined by what we've done. Who we've been does not determine who we are today or who we will be moving forward. Jesus Christ takes our stories of failure, and you know what he does through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins? He takes our stories of failure and trades them for his story of forgiveness and favor. A while back um, on a Saturday night, I was planning to just sit down and, and zone out watching Netflix, but I just sensed that God had other plans for me. And I just felt like God was prompting me to go into my home office. To, and, I, and so I went in there and I sat down in my chair. And as I sat there, I looked on my desk and I saw that there was a stack of my old journals. My wife had been cleaning out our closet and she found a bunch of my old journals, not diaries, like man journals. Okay. These, these things had, they were, they had leather strapped to them. These are man journals. Okay. But I looked on my desk and I saw my old journals. And so I just decided to pick them up and I just started reading through them. And you know what I read? I read page after page after page of guilt and shame and regret. They were packed full with feelings of failure. Feelings of not being enough, not being a good enough follower of Jesus, not being a good enough husband, not being a good enough dad, not being a good enough employee. And you know what I did in that moment? I sat there and I ripped out every single 
cage and I shredded them. You want to know why? Because that's not my story. That isn't my story. Victory is here. Jesus Christ came to free me from my past. And so Jesus Christ has made a way for my story of failure to be traded for his story of forgiveness and favor. As followers of Jesus Christ, our lives should look different. And do you know how they should look different from the rest of the world? People should be able to look into our lives and see a difference. And the difference is that we have far less amounts of guilt, shame, and regret in our lives than the rest of the world. Why? Because we've been freed from our past. The second beautiful reality of the resurrection of Jesus is that we have power in the present. Because Jesus Christ conquered the grave, because victory is here, we have power in the present. Listen to what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. I love these verses. It says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, watch this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand at the, in the heavenly realms. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now available to you and me when we know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Can you just allow that to sink in? That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is yours today in Jesus Christ? And did you see the wording? It said that it is an incomparably great power. What that means is nothing compares to the power that is available to you. No addiction can stand against the power that raised Christ from the dead. No lies from your enemy, Satan, can stand against the power that raised Christ from the dead. No anger, bitterness, or resentment can stand against the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that power is available to you and to me today. See, we have power in the present. And Paul tells us how we access that power. We access that power through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, that's the beautiful reality of the gospel, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus doesn't just save you from your sin, he saves you to a new life. And our lives should look different. We should be far less hypocritical simply because God now lives inside of us through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God has no intentions of having a passive presence in your life. No, he has an agenda. He wants to bear fruit in your life. He wants you to live a life that is full of things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, 
faithfulness. And then what's that last fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. Could anyone use a shot of self-control in their lives? But see, the Spirit of God lives inside of us to give us power so that we can bear the fruit of self-control in our lives. I've shared this illustration before, but uh, several years ago, I was watching a Japanese game show. It's, it's, it's one of these game shows. America had a version of it called Wipeout years ago, but it's just a, it's a, it's a show with obstacle courses where people get incredibly hurt. And so I was watching this Japanese game show and uh, what I saw was these contestants running this obstacle course and there was this point on the obstacle course where the contestants came to a point where there were four different doorways and each doorway was covered with paper and the contestants had to choose a doorway, run and burst through the paper to keep going. The only catch was that behind three of the four doorways were wooden beams. And so what you saw was contestant after contestant after contestant run full speed, pick one of the doorways, burst through the paper, and experience massive amounts of pain and regret. But something changed halfway through the pool of contestants because what I saw was the latter half of contestants learned from the first half of contestants. Because what the contestants started doing when they got to this point in the obstacle course is instead of just running, picking one and hoping for the best, they just stopped and they began to stare at the four different doorways because what they realized is if they waited long enough, the sunlight would hit the paper and illuminate the ways that led to, the one way that led to life and the three other ways that led to massive amounts of pain and regret. See, that's what the Holy Spirit inside of us does. What the Spirit of God does is He illuminates for us the path that leads to joy and wholeness in life. And then He also shows us and convicts us of the ways that will actually produce guilt, shame, and regret. He, uh, he illuminates the paths that are not honoring to God. See, our lives should look different. Why? Because the Spirit of God is empowering us. We have power in the present. Victory is here. We have power in the present. So what does the Spirit of God do? He empowers us to move towards compassion instead of hate, conviction instead of compromise, action instead of apathy, love instead of lust, fleeing instead of indulging, wisdom instead of folly, speaking up instead of staying silent, unifying instead of dividing, engaging instead of retreating, caring instead of condemning, forgiving instead of resenting, and confessing instead of concealing. When was the last time that you asked God to simply unleash his resurrection power in your life because it is available to you today? When was the last time that you asked God to fill you with his spirit? Our lives should look different. Why? Because we have freedom from our past and we have power in the present. But not only that, the third beautiful reality of the resurrection is this. We have hope for the future. And man, how perfect timing is that truth, that because of the resurrection, we have hope 
for the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, is the most thorough explanation of the doctrine of the resurrection. It is the resurrection text in your Bible. And after Paul unpacks the resurrection, he, towards the end of the chapter, he unpacks the implications of the resurrection in our lives. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 57. He says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come the past to, then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory o death where is your victory o death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that a day is coming where this physical body will be resurrected and perfected. That is what the resurrection has done for us. Just as Christ was raised, a day is coming where we will be raised for all of eternity. And Paul is clear that this body will be resurrected, but not just resurrected, perfected. What I'm telling you is a day is coming where there will be no more sin and no more struggle and no more death. What we're talking about is, is no more temptation, no more failure, but not just that, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more loneliness, but not just that, no more disability, no more coronavirus, no more financial instability. What we're talking about is no more cancer. Jesus Christ has conquered Satan, sin, and death. And because of the resurrection, we are people who live with hope. Hope that this is the worst it will ever get for us. This is by far the closest we will ever get to hell because Jesus Christ conquered the grave so that we could conquer the grave as well. A while back, uh, a friend of mine who was diagnosed with, with cancer, a very aggressive form of cancer, he came to my house. The cancer had spread uh, from, from his side to his lungs to his neck. Uh, it, it was spreading all over his body, and he came to my house, and, and we were just sitting together. We were about to pray together, and he just asked me this. He said, is it okay for me to believe that God is going to heal me? And what I told him is, is this, I said, you should absolutely be confident that God is going to heal you because we already know that God will heal you. We just don't know if he's going to, which side of eternity he's going to heal you on. But Paul is clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a day is coming where the saying will be true. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? That friend went home to be with the Lord. Uh, almost two years ago. And we now know, and he is confident today that he is fully healed and that 
Even death is not the end. Death was just the beginning for him. His last breath here on the earth was his first breath in eternity. And so he is one now who lives permanently healed. See, we are people who have hope for the future because the tomb is empty. You know what that means? It means if this is the worst it's ever going to get, a lot of times we ask the question, God, why don't you do something? I think God's looking at us saying, I already did something and I am doing something, but don't expect your best life now in this broken and busted world, but have hope that God is taking us to a place where there will be freedom from pain and fear and anxiety. Jesus Christ has conquered the grave. Don't get too comfortable here. Don't get entangled in the same things as those who have no hope. Let's not live hypocritical lives. Our lives should look different because we have hope. Don't resent God when you experience pain or heartache or disappointment in this broken and busted world. At the same time, make it your ambition to take as many people with you to eternity with Jesus. I'll close just by sharing this. Several years ago, I was a youth pastor and I will never forget one Sunday morning, I was walking around and cleaning things up and I realized that one of the kids in my student ministry had left a note for me on his chair and I picked it up and all it said, I knew who it was from and all it said was, it, it had a quote on it. Some people attribute this quote to Gandhi. We're not exactly sure who said it. In the end, it doesn't matter. All I know is that this statement represented what was in this kid's heart. And here's what he said. He said, I like your Christ, not your Christians. What was he saying? He was saying, my experience with the people of God is, is an experience of hypocrisy. They don't live out what they actually believe. And so instead of being drawn to Jesus, he was repelled from Jesus. And I just think about that and I just, I just think to myself, you know what? We, we all struggle with hypocrisy. We absolutely do but our lives should look different. We have something to offer to the world because the tomb is empty, because victory is here. We have freedom from our past. We have power in the present. We have hope for the future. So may we be a compelling community. This Easter, may we be people who demonstrate to the world the goodness and the kindness and the greatness of our God. May our lives look different. Why? Because he is risen indeed. Let's pray together. And just with your eyes closed, let me just ask, are you one of those people who maybe knows about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus? Maybe this morning you've been hearing all of the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're understanding for the first time that on the table for you this morning is freedom from your past. And maybe you want that power in the present and you are someone who's been living with no hope, but today you want the hope that comes through knowing the resurrected King Jesus. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, just right where you're at, would you just slip up your hand just as a way of saying, yes, I want to believe in Jesus. And if that's you, you just 
pray in the quietness of your own heart, or you can pray out loud if you want, but you just say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life this morning? Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose from the dead for me. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? And would you begin to lead me in a new way? And if you already know Jesus Christ, what's he saying to you this morning? How are you going to respond? Because victory is here. How will you respond to him today? Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that victory is here. And because of what you've done, Lord Jesus, we truly do have freedom from our past, power in the present, and hope for the future. I pray that our lives would look different, that what we believe and how we live would match. We need you. Thank you that you conquered the grave. In Jesus' name. Amen.